Looking for a way to keep your kids or grandkids entertained? Just tell your smart speaker to play Vision Kids Radio. Vision Kids! Problem solved. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The more I read about Jesus, the more I realise that in the context of day-to-day life in the first century... He did some really strange things. At least they were strange from a human standpoint, not from God's. And it's this very same Jesus who wants to spend each day with you and me. Strange, really. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the final message in a series called A Day at the Office with Jesus to discover how the apparently strange things that Jesus does can end up radically lifting your life up to a whole new level. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw ever closer to God through Jesus, His Son. There are some people on this planet that can best be described as, well, it's not a nice term, but I'll use it anyway, the scum of the earth. These are people who so abused others, whether physically or emotionally or mentally, they so abuse others that in our human estimation they just don't deserve to live. The the man who sexually abuses a child. Now, child abuse, particularly in the church, is becoming so frequently reported in the news that we can kind of become desensitised to it. It washes past us with all the other misery on the news, and so we disengage. But just imagine it's your child that's being abused. Imagine it's your mother whose meagre life savings have been stolen by some con man. Imagine it's your house that's been burned down by an arsonist. You know, that sort of thing is the absolute lowest of the low, and in our human judgment, those people are bottom dwellers, the scum of the earth. Imagine a traitor in a war, someone who betrays his own people. You see, the list goes on. And most of us have a line that we draw in the sand and say, you know, you know, I know that I should forgive, but that rapist or that child molester or that traitor or that extortionist doesn't deserve to draw air anymore on this earth. So today I thought it would be really amazing as we spend another day at the office with Jesus to see how this Jesus, this Son of God, dealt with one of these bottom dwellers, one of these scum of the earth type of people. Today, we're going to meet a tax collector called Levi. Now, we spoke briefly about Levi the other week, but today we're going to go right into his story because, well, it's an amazing story. Now, I know, I know that paying taxes is not our favourite thing to do. I remember a really high-profile Australian businessman called Kerry Packer, one of the richest men in the country, dead now. But a few years ago, he was hauled up in front of a Senate committee because of his allegedly aggressive tax minimisation strategies. He was a man with a big heart, but a pretty gruff and tough exterior. He was known for calling a spade a spade. When one of the senators asked him a question, he answered something along these lines. He said, lady, I pay all the taxes I'm legally obliged to and not one cent more. Besides, I don't like the way you people spend it. It made pretty good television, I have to tell you, and I guess we all relate to that a bit. I love the way he put it. But most of us understand that if we're going to have schools and hospitals and a police force and essential infrastructure and all those things that are absolutely necessary for a country, well, someone has to pay for that, and that's us through our taxes. But imagine a set of circumstances where the taxation system is completely and utterly corrupt. 
where your country's been invaded and taken over by another world power, bunch of foreigners with totally different values and religion and culture, and it's a brutal occupation of the land. They rob the people blind, they cart that money off to another country, and worse still, the way they collect their taxes is by taking some amongst our own people and allowing them to bid on the right to collect taxes and then turning a blind eye to the extortionate behaviour of these people in collecting the tolls on the taxes. Now, that would be utterly delightful, wouldn't it? As if paying taxes to a foreign occupying power weren't bad enough. Now you have to do it through a crook, a criminal, who is no less than a traitor to his own people. There is a bottom dweller, this tax collector. Complete scum of the earth, don't you think? Well, that's Levi. That's exactly who he is, and that's exactly what everyone else, all the other Jews, thought of him. So let's take a close look at Jesus' response to meeting this man, Levi, because in the context of the day, it was truly outrageous. I mean, really. We're looking at Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 27. So if you have a Bible, grab it and open it up. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? But Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've come to call not the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Now, if you were with us last week on the program, you'll have heard me talk briefly about how rabbis, teachers of the law, religious leaders managed to get their disciples. A rabbi would become a scribe, a leader, like the leader of a church, and people would look around and decide, well, you know, if only I could become one of Rabbi so-and-so's disciples. Well, that'd be good. Prestige, business contacts, opportunities for the kids. And so people would then go and apply. And the more prestigious and well-known the scribe, the harder it was to become one of his disciples. Now, sure, Jesus was pretty unconventional. He wasn't building himself a mega church with a 2,000-car car park and all that sort of stuff. He was itinerant, travelling around Galilee and then later Jerusalem, preaching and teaching and healing. But he clearly had the potential to have an amazing gathering of disciples. And so what was unexpected, ultimately, even though at 30-something he was a bit young, was that he'd conformed to the norm and that given he had megastar status drawing huge crowds, people would apply to join his tribe. But here again, he walks up to this bottom dweller, this scum of the earth guy, Levi, and says to him, follow me. And such an impact does this radical calling have on this outcast Levi that not only does he throw a massive party for Jesus, but he leaves everything, just like the fisherman we saw the other week, everything, his lucrative business of extortion, to follow Jesus. Later on in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Or do you despise the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Don't you realise that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? It's exactly what happened to Levi. Jesus' kindness leads to Levi's repentance. It turns his whole life around, completely and utterly. And the religious leaders, all they can do is scoff. See, these, these Pharisees are religious separatists who live in cloistered, closed, legalistic, cultish communities. Pharisee comes from the word parash, which means to separate. Their idea was that if, if we separate ourselves from the world, if we, if we keep away from all these sinners, we won't get infected by their sin. So imagine how horrified they are at Jesus wading in amongst the muck and the stench of this scum, the tax collectors. Totally different approach. And what's his answer to them? 
these oh-so-pure, oh-so-holier-than-thou religious nuts? Well, I didn't come to heal the healthy ones, just the sick ones. I came for people just like Levi and all his mates. These are the people who need their lives turned around. You see how radical Jesus is, how awesome. He, he didn't come for Mr. and Mrs. Super-Christian. Those people we know that we would never be like. Friend, he came for you and for me, the Levi's of this world, us. And when the healing's underway, he doesn't call us to cloister ourselves off into these pure religious communities that can't help but be blind to the hurt and the need around them. They can't help it because they get so caught up in their religiosity, they completely, completely miss the point. His call is for us to wander out into the muck where he went to come and get us to take the healing, to take Jesus to those who are sick. Completely and utterly radical. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional, a scripture verse with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign up right there at the top of the homepage. Or if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. Completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Now, religion is all about rules, isn't it? A rule for this, a rule for that, a, a rule for absolutely everything. It's something Jesus ran into over and over again. Religion. Ritual, rules, all of which are supposed to get you closer to God. But all of them, imposters, follow them and they lead you away from God. Now, we're going to head from one end of the spectrum to the other, from the scum of the earth, Levi, to the supposed cream of the generation, the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders who were so high and mighty until they met Jesus. Now, it never, ever, ever ceases to amaze me how we can take something as simple and as straightforward as the love of God, the saving love of God, a love so great that he sent his son to die on a cross for you and me, how we can take something so rich and profound and twist it and pervert it and produce out of it a bunch of rules. I remember when I was a kid, we weren't allowed to eat for an hour before the start of the church service. Really? What was that all about? Centuries ago, there were pole sitters, people who believed that in order to please God, they had to deprive themselves of things. They sat up on platforms on poles for days, for weeks, for months, and some of them even for years. This rule, that rule. And this is nothing new. This goes way back, and you can read about it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In Jesus' time, the Pharisees made a whole living out of this. The Old Testament law, the Torah, the first five books of what Christians now call the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This was the law written down by Moses, 613 commandments and prohibitions. But then, 
Then religious cults like the Pharisees got a hold of it and added layer after layer after layer of religious rules, many of them so ridiculous, so far from the scriptures, that it completely begs belief. See, they held on not only to the Torah, God's law, but to an oral tradition, something that was invented by human beings. They added to the Bible, in other words, and the incredible detail of the minutiae that they got involved in is unbelievable. It covered every conceivable area of human conduct. Do this, don't do that. Ridiculous to the extreme. And all along, they thought that by tithing their herbs, for goodness sake, this was bringing them closer to God. Now, it was their perception of all these religious rules versus Jesus, who hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes, that absolutely offended them to the core. They had so become perverted in their understanding of God that they believed that the only way to God was by observing all these ridiculous rituals and rules. And one of the things that they built lots and lots and lots of rules about was the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath was the day that God set apart for his people to rest and to worship him. Sabbath, that word literally means to rest. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. That word rested is the Hebrew word Shabbat, from which we get the word Sabbath. And sure, God had decreed that the seventh day would be the Sabbath day of rest. It was in the Torah, in the Hebrew law, straight from God to Moses. It's in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and you'll do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath unto the Lord your God. You will not do any work. Your son or your daughter, your male or your female slave, your livestock or alien residents in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and has set it apart. So you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. But what constitutes work and what doesn't? Well, ain't that just a rich and fertile place for making up some rules? Absolutely. And that's exactly what the Pharisees did. Rules, more rules, and yet more rules. And that's what this next encounter in a day at the office with Jesus is all about. Let's have a listen. Beginning at Luke chapter 6, verse 1. One Sabbath, while Jesus was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked some heads of grain, rubbed them together in their hands and ate them. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, Have you not read what David did when his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for anyone but the priests to eat, and gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught, and there was a man there whose right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see what he would do. Would he cure on the Sabbath so that they might find an accusation against him? Even though he knew what they were thinking, he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come and stand here. He got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or destroy it? After looking around at all of them, he said, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was healed. But they were filled with fury, and they discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Now, as I said, some of these rules beg belief. So rigid had they become that they made a rule that you couldn't pick out some grain off some stalk and rub it in your hand to eat it when you were hungry. So what were you supposed to do? Go hungry or or walk five miles to somewhere where they sold food? Which is harder work, picking some grain off a stalk? or walking five miles. 
And what about the person who gave you the food at the end of it? Is giving you food working any more than picking grains off a stalk? No, 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 no. These Pharisees had to make rules. And then the healing of the man with the withered hand. Was Jesus going to heal on the Sabbath or not? Come on, Jesus said to them, if God's going to heal on the Sabbath, that's an amazing miracle for God. And by the way, I am he, and I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I decreed the Sabbath. It's my Sabbath, and as such, I get to do good on the Sabbath. You see how twisted all this rulemaking is? It completely misses the point. In trying to get closer to God through a bunch of rules, they're actually getting further and further away from him. Instead of loving and healing, they're oppressing. And that's exactly what Jesus said elsewhere. Matthew chapter 23, beginning at verse 2. The scribes and the Pharisees tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger, down to verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. For you do not go in yourselves, and when others go in, you stop them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you cross a sea and land to make a single convert, and you make a new convert twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Friends, rules and religion lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. Let me say it again. Rules and religion lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. The more we try, the more we become like a child of hell. Jesus was right. You can see it. These rules were meant to achieve one thing, but they completely achieved the opposite. They replaced love and grace with rules and religion. They replaced compassion with compliance. And that, according to Jesus, completely misses the point. The only way, the only way into the kingdom of God is through Jesus. That's why when one of his disciples asked him about which is the way to where he was going, Jesus said, John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If there's just one thing I can leave you with following a day at the office with Jesus, it would be this. Jesus is the only way. It's not about rules. It's not about religion. It's about Jesus. Look at the Pharisees. Look at Jesus. Blind Freddy can tell the difference. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. Following Jesus isn't always what we expect. We're hoping for an easy ride, and yet some days it can be so tough that we lose heart and want to give up. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet called Shouldn't It Be Easier Than This? It's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you get a handle on exactly what Jesus is up to in your life. To request your copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that this particular book will be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Now, it's fascinating and, and challenging even to take a look, as we have over these last few weeks, at Jesus during the normal course of a day at work for him. But what about you? What about where you work at whatever it is that you do with your day? What does it look like to have this radical Jesus at the office with you? So, what have you made of this Jesus over the last few weeks as we've spent a day or two or three at the office with him? 
It starts off with him coming out of the wilderness in Luke chapter 4 after he's been tempted by the devil, tired, bedraggled, vulnerable, but with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes first to his hometown where they run him out of town and indeed they try to kill him. And then encounter after encounter seems to be this, this roller coaster of experiences, hard work in ministry, preaching, healing, amazing stuff, but draining work drawing away to be alone with his father God early in the mornings, the the crowds trying to conscript him to be someone he's not, encountering the devil and demons and religious leaders who wanted to plot against him, meeting common, ordinary, everyday folk like you and me from all parts of the social spectrum. Why, just today, with Levi, the tax collector at the bottom end, the scribes and the Pharisees at the upper end of the social scale, like bookends, Levi and these religious leaders, bookends of everything that lies in between. Yet day after day, People came to Jesus, people who were hurting, people who were needy, and he healed them physically, emotionally, spiritually, even socially. I don't know how you found it, but for me, it's been an absolute blast, kind of just, I don't know, just following Jesus around day after day through what's literally been just a handful of short chapters in Luke's Gospel. And here's the thing, the main thing that struck me between the eyes. See, perhaps like me, you've heard these stories many a time before, And eventually, the same old sameness of them kind of makes them roll past and they roll off you like like water off a duck's back. I really think the more familiar we are with something, the less we listen. I remember one pastor saying to me, he said, oh, no, I don't read the Gospels anymore, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. I said, why not? He said, oh, I know how they end. Really? This Jesus is so radical, so edgy, so committed to bring transformation and healing and release to common, hurting, imperfect people. People like you and me. Back to the thing that's really hit me between the eyes. The main point is this. That this very same Jesus, not some modified version, not some historically archaic religious version, not some stained glass window version, but this very same Jesus who we've been following around together these last few weeks, that Jesus wants to spend each day at the office, with you and me. Whatever your office looks like, whatever my office looks like, by the presence of his Holy Spirit within us, Jesus wants to be at the office with us. Let me be more specific. He wants to be at the office with you and with me. And if we dare to step out and follow him, just just as he had opposition and challenges and tribulations, not in some sterile historical sense, but in a real-life, day-to-day sense. So you and I are going to have those too. We just are. I mean, he was persecuted so much, they nailed him to a cross. But this same radical, edgy, passionate, amazing, healing, teaching Jesus, whom we've followed around on the dusty roads of Galilee over the last few weeks, wants to walk our dusty roads with us every step of the way, every minute of the day. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never. It's that connection between these powerful stories of old and the day-to-day reality of our lives that I think is so easy for you and me to miss and to forget. I mean, when we're stuck in the thick of it, when we've failed him, when when we've strayed away from him, when when we're sick, when the storm clouds are rolling over the horizon and, and the distant claps of thunder are rolling closer and closer, when there's a financial crisis, when someone's sick, when we're afraid, in those places, we forget who Jesus really is, what he's really like. You know, I think we even forget in the, the ordinary, mundane, everyday grind of daily life that this same Jesus we've been following around is the Jesus who wants to live his life with us. 
And the power of what I saw as I was wandering around, following him through the office, through his word over these past few weeks, is that the thing that he's so radical about is cutting through every opposition, every circumstance, every devil, every demon, to set ordinary, everyday people like you and me free from bondage, to heal us, to make things better, to set us free from the demonic. That's who he is. That's who we've discovered in the Bible as we've followed him around. So I want to encourage you, don't wander around anymore if you've been doing this with some religious, sterile, distant view of Jesus. He is not. He is the son of the living God. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He hasn't forgotten what it's like to be human. Jesus is not just the radical saviour way back then. He's the radical saviour here and now. And if you feel like Levi, Jesus is for you. If you've been caught up in religious rules, Jesus is for you. If you've been led astray and you've forsaken him, Jesus is for you. If all of a sudden, listening and and hearing these stories about Jesus has blown your mind, this Jesus is for you. Not just for Levi, not just for the paralyzed man, but for you and for me. This radical, radical saviour. I encourage you to spend every day of the rest of your life here on this earth at the office with Jesus. That's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to grow in a rich, dynamic, powerful relationship with Jesus. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give toward the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over 2,500 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous, tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.